This call is being recorded. Hey, Bill, what's up? Hey, Aaron, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Hectic day, I'm sure. A little bit. A little bit. That, yeah. That definitely came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was surprised. I was, like, about to leave work when I saw the news come across. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I listened to the podcast you threw up what, about an hour ago or so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. So, you know, I know you already had put that up there, but I figured maybe for this that we could sort of spend the first segment talking about that since that's sort of the big headline. And yeah, then sure. maybe in the second segment we can sort of get into – not necessarily going through the matchups again because we just did it a couple of weeks ago, but just sort of like maybe talk about the things that, you know, the, the Panthers need to do better or the things that need to change for them in order for them to, you know, put forth a better showing uh, yeah. this week than they did the, the previous time. Yeah, really. Um, and then, you know, maybe for the last part, uh, I guess I can sort of get into the things that the Falcons need to do. Um to get back to the team that they looked like a couple of weeks ago when they, when they beat the Panthers um, as opposed to the team that they've shown up the last couple of weeks where they've struggled. Yeah, for sure. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I guess I can do the, the intro if, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you are locked on Falcons and locked on Panthers. This is a crossover Wednesday. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked on Falcons. And today I'm going to be joined by Bill Rossetti, the host of Locked on Panthers. We're going to be previewing this upcoming matchup between the Falcons and Panthers. But really the first thing that we need to get into is the breaking news Tuesday afternoon where the Carolina Panthers decided to fire head coach Ron Rivera. I'm sure if we had been talking last time that Bill and I did this uh, podcast and we had asked, who do you bet loses their job first, uh, Ron Rivera or Dan Quinn? I think everybody in their mama would have betted on Dan Quinn, but that was not necessarily the case. And so the Panthers will have an interim head coach in Perry Fuel. For you Locked On Panthers listeners, you've already sort of gotten – Bill's initial takes on that on yesterday's episode, but for the Locked On Falcons uh, listeners that don't listen to the Locked On Panthers every day, uh, Bill, give them sort of the overview of sort of what you think was the biggest reason why Ron Rivera got fired. Yeah, to me, I, I think it was just, you know, it's a couple things. It's the team regressing a little bit. You know, we, we talked about how it, the, the season went south. This was kind of a, a make or break year, I think, for the Panthers. And obviously not having Cam Newton for a while certainly hurt them. Uh, it really put them behind the eight ball a little bit. Then they got a, on a little bit of a run, winning four straight. But you can just see the offense really taking a step back. And more so, I think, the defense. And I think really that's what did Ron Rivera in because Rivera really took over this defense. He basically took took it over from Eric Washington Rivera put his hands all over it, and the defense has just been crumbling. You know, they've been getting beat by the pass pretty bad. They've been gashed in the run game. 
there just seems to be no life. And, you know, obviously, again, injuries play a factor in that too. Kwan Short went down early in the season and, and has missed a lot of time, but no one's really been stepping up all that much, save for, you know, Gerald McCoy at times, but, and, and of course, stars like Luke Keekley. But overall, this has been a poor unit, and this was Rivera's baby. And because of that, uh, there was just no escape, I think, for the Panthers, and, or for, for Ron Rivera, rather. And, you know, David Tepper just looked at it and just decided it was time to go to a, in a different direction. I thought he was going to – if a firing was going to happen, it would be after the season. But Tepper clearly wants to get a bit of a head start on – the on his new on his first coaching search and you know it's interesting that marty herney is still going to be around but he's going to add an assistant gm and a vice president of football operations so it's a uh, it's definitely quite the intriguing change i think with the panthers and you know I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of comes about who some of the guys are that that they're going to look at the the early waves are that it sounds like they might favor an offensive guy. Uh, they haven't ruled out a defensive guy, but they're really seeming to already start to favor the offense because they're talking about how, you know, all these rules are favoring the offense and they're talking about analytics and this, that, and the other thing. So it, it's really going to be an intriguing search, I think, for this team. And, you know, really interested to see what all these these new changes in the front office are going to bring as well. Yeah, you know, I think, it's interesting because obviously a lot of people are going to look at the parallels between the Falcons right now and, and the Panthers with, you know, Dan Quinn taking over the uh, defensive play calling for the Falcons and then sort of taking himself out of that midseason during the bye. And you can see some obvious parallels uh, between those things. And I know you pointed those out on your episode yesterday. Again, want to let people know if they want to get a little bit more in depth into that decision from Bill, check out yesterday's Locked On Panthers podcast. But it all is also really a, a interesting parallel in the past where when the Falcons fired Dan Reeves back in 2003, they had just got a new owner in Arthur Blank at that time, the, the year prior. And Dan Reeves, that 03 team lost their starting quarterback in Michael Vick, and they were really struggling that season, struggling a lot more than the Panthers have this year under Kyle Allen. And then it led to essentially a, a situation similar to what David Tepper was talking about uh, in his press conference, which was he was looking in another direction. He kind of knew that he was going to fire Ron Rivera, and he didn't necessarily want to you know, sort of sneak around and try to pretend like he wasn't going to fire Ron Rivera. He wanted to be upfront with him. And it was a similar situation between Reeves and uh, Arthur Blank at that time, where Arthur Blank kind of was like, you know, I, I do plan on moving on at the end of the season. And, and Dan Reeves basically was at that point, and maybe it didn't exactly go down like this, but this is, you know, a 16-year-old memory. Uh, so forgive me for that. But it, it was one of those situations where it was like Dan Reeves was like, well, if I can't, you know, keep my job, then I, I might as well just leave now. And so essentially that's how that sort of went down. So, you know, I, there's obvious parallels between the sort of current situation with the Falcons with a kind of lame duck head coach and Dan Quinn. But it's interesting that you see this sort of parallels between a new owner with an old coach um, and, and looking to sort of put his stamp on the organization moving forward, similar to what uh, Arthur Blank and, you know, I I'm sure for the Panthers fans' sakes, they're hoping that the Panthers get a much better coach than what the Falcons wound up with with Jim Moore. 
But uh, yeah, it's, it's very uh, interesting how those two things sort of parallel each other uh, years apart. Yeah, no doubt. It is it is pretty interesting now, now that you bring it up. And, um, you know, like I said, it's it's going to be intriguing. I, I know there's already some guys floating some names out there. I, I think the the most popular name I've already seen thrown out there is Lincoln Riley. It's uh, it's just going to be interesting if they're going to be able to pry him from Oklahoma, if he's the kind of guy that Marty Herney is going to want, if David Tepper's going to want. Because, like I said, with Herney still around and bringing in these uh, these new positions, and I talked about this quick on my show, what's the hierarchy going to be or, or what's the, the chain of command going to be? Who's going to report to who and who's going to have these – final decisions. I, I think there's still a lot of factors in play. It's, it seems like there's a, a, a lot going on and a lot of questions that are definitely going to take weeks to answer, but I, it, it's going to be really fascinating. I think just what kind of names they bring in, who they, who, who they're looking at, if they're going to look at anyone on the current staff, you know, with North Turner now kind of being the special assistant to the head coach and Scott Turner getting a little bit of a shot now as the, offensive coordinator you know it's going to be interesting to see what what the list is going to look like and who eventually emerges as the favorite to take over this job so i I think we're in for a rather interesting and and certainly you know a bit of a rare a rare spot here for panthers fans of course we haven't gone through this in about nine years so it's going to be it's going to be different to to say the least but it, it should be interesting yeah, and, and definitely, uh, obviously, Panthers fans should definitely be checking out the Locked On Panthers podcast where Bill will sort of give you those insights daily on that episode. And, and for Falcon fans that are, you know, eagerly waiting for a coaching change in Atlanta but just want to get some uh, takes on uh, sort of the already sort of coaching change going on in Carolina, you should, guys should definitely check out Bill's content uh, coming up in the upcoming weeks and months. I'm sure we will have many similar conversations on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, uh, you know, going into the calendar year of 2020. But uh, we'll, we'll start to turn our attention to this upcoming matchup, this rematch between the Falcons and Panthers, and sort of get the conversation going in terms of obviously the Falcons really kind of dominated this game the last time the Panthers turned the ball over a bunch, um, just really couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, against this Falcon team. I thought their defense played reasonably well, but obviously they gave up a bunch of big plays. That happens when Julio Jones is matched up one-on-one against, you know, Luke Keekley and whatnot. Luke Keekley is a great player, but he shouldn't be covering, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league. But I'm curious, um, Bill, when you look at this uh, potential rematch, sort of what are some of the things that you think need to happen in order for the Panthers to put together a, a better showing in uh, Perry Fuel's first game as their interim head coach. Yeah, I, I think it starts with uh, protecting the quarterback. That was that has become one of the biggest issues with the Panthers. I think is the play of this offensive line and really the the worsening play, I should say, of this offensive line because this whole line group has not been good over the last couple of weeks, and they've been really getting Kyle Allen rattled and. You know, the last couple of weeks, Allen has taken care of the ball better, but he certainly didn't do so against the Falcons. So that's got to clear up. They've got to protect Allen a lot better because we know the Falcons really got to, what was it, five or six sacks, I think, something like that, 
in that first yeah, game. Five. So, yeah, about five sacks. So they got to do a better job of protecting Kyle Allen. And then just on the flip side, in, in that same in in that same note, the the Panthers have to get to Matt Ryan because I don't remember I don't recall them really getting to Matt Ryan all that much in that first game and the, the Falcons offense just seemed to kind of have their way with the Panthers defense. So, you know, it's, it's all about line play. It's about making sure Kyle Allen protects the ball, which like I said, he had done a, a better job of the last couple of weeks, but uh, you, you can't let them get sacked five times. You're never going to win football games and you just got to be able to sustain drives too. There's just been too many times, especially last week against the Redskins where the offense just went completely flat and they're not moving the ball. They got to be able to just move the ball consistently, you know, keep getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Let DJ Moore do work. Let Christian McCaffrey do work. Don't, don't kill yourself with stupid stuff. Don't hurt yourself with penalties and things like that. And, you know, just try to, just try to keep the ball out of this Falcons offense as much as possible. Just really take care of the football a lot better and, Hopefully it's you know a lot closer than uh, than the twenty six point deficit that we had a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know it's, it's going to be interesting to sort of see if the Panthers. I I think there's a a reasonable expectation that they will be able to rebound it and put together a a stronger showing um, this upcoming week. The Falcons have not been particularly great at home, so any sort of home field advantage, um, you know, they haven't really had that at all this season. So I don't think anybody has to be worried about the Panthers struggling in the, in the you know, uh, an unfriendly environment there. And, you know, you talked about them not being able to get to Matt Ryan. They, the Panthers did produce a lot of pressure in that game, but they only were able to turn it into three sacks in that game. And you look at this Falcons offensive line that has really struggled the last couple of weeks. They gave up nine sacks to the Saints. I think they gave up six sacks to the Buccaneers the previous week. So, you know, this offensive line is, is trending downward. Obviously, uh, you know, you're, the Panthers are also potentially getting a boost because Julio Jones is, is not quite healthy. He missed last week. There's optimism that he'll be able to play this week. Um, but clearly that shoulder that he dinged up a couple of weeks ago is still bothering him to a certain extent. So you may not get, even if he does play, the same caliber of Julio Jones that he has been in, in previous matchups. So I think things are trending positively for the Panthers and, and maybe the biggest thing the Panthers have in their favor is that the last time the last two times the Falcons played a team with interim coaches came in 2018 under Dan Quinn where they basically kind of got their butts kicked by the Cleveland Browns and Green Bay Packers in both of those games they looked very unprepared for those games um and in you know if, if Fuel and, and Turner and all those guys can add some wrinkles at least based off of recent history, it suggests that the Falcons won't be as prepared for that and they can sort of catch the Falcons off guard and get them a little unbalanced and then maybe be able to play the type of football that they want to play, which we know is, you know, beating Christian McCaffrey as much as possible, not turning the ball over, and if they can play some stout defense and, and eliminate some of those big plays that they gave up and be able to turn some of that pressure that they got the last time into sacks, you know, that's a very winning formula for the Panthers moving forward uh, this upcoming week. No, you're, you're right. I, I totally agree on all that. It's about, you know, they just 
got to stop Christian McCaffrey, like you said. And yeah, not not having Julio Jones certainly affected the Falcons last week. So it'll be interesting to see. Like you know, like you said, that's good, at least on the Falcons side, that there's optimism on Julio Jones's part. And uh anytime listen, we know the history. We talked about it the last time you and I got together. It seems like anytime Julio Jones plays the Panthers, he just seems to take it up a notch. That just seems to be his his favorite team to play against because a lot of his big moments I think have come against the Panthers so it'll be really interesting throughout the week to see how his injury progresses and if he's going to be able to go on Sunday because that'll certainly swing the needle a lot more in the favor of the Falcons I think if he plays absolutely so you know I think you know looking sort of with the Falcon side the things that they're going to have to do they just got to fix some things that they haven't been able to do the last like basically the last time they were able to do things successfully it came in that Panthers game. They just really have struggled doing that. And the main thing is going to be getting that pass rush on track uh, and, and getting after Kyle Allen like they did the last time where they were able to, you know, force the young quarterback to make some very questionable decisions, some questionable throws, particularly early in that game that allowed the Falcons to get some momentum. And with this Falcon team, it, it really is all about how fast they can start. And they're just not a team, you know, they're essentially a, a front running team. And so they need to come out and hit the Panthers in the mouth. And, and whether that is, you know, getting a couple of stops on defense or generating a couple of big plays early in the game, um, you know, that's going to be sort of their recipe for success. They got to come out and, and make the, the Panthers play a little bit left handed. I think, you know, Cal Allen, I think he threw the ball like 50 times in that last game, which obviously is not the the formula for success for the Panthers moving forward. So I think if the Falcons can do that again, and one of the ways that they were able to effectively do that last time was by being able to sort of rely on their play action passing game to generate some of those big plays that they had in that game. And it was surprisingly effective. I didn't expect it to be that effective because the Panthers have generally been pretty good at defending the pass this season. Um, and the play action has not been particularly effective against that defense this year, but it was in that previous week. So I don't know if that's a fluke or is that something that the Falcons can reproduce? And, and certainly, as you say, if Julio Jones is in the lineup, it makes that potential much more potent than it would be if they're basically having to funnel their entire offense through Calvin Ridley. But the one positive, if Julio doesn't play, they do get a little bit of a boost because Austin Hooper is expected back this week after missing a couple of games. And they really do need to have that reliable secondary weapon uh, in the event that Julio Jones um, is out uh, to Calvin Ridley because it was very clear watching on Thanksgiving night that Matt Ryan did not have a lot of confidence in his receivers. And it led to, a, I think, a number of the sacks and pressures that the Saints were able to generate because he just wasn't, he was hesitant to pull the trigger to some of these throws to these young wide receivers that he doesn't have a ton of, uh, you know, experience working with and giving him a, a reliable security blanket like Austin Hooper to throw to uh, this Sunday, I think will greatly improve Matt Ryan's performance and have allow him to have a little bit of a rebound performance. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Austin Hooper was having a really good season. Um, if I remember correctly, he was one of the leaders in one of the receiving stats, I believe. I forget off the top of my head, but I, I know he was definitely up there in uh, at least amongst all tight ends, uh, especially for fantasy purposes. So not having him, same with Julio Jones, really kind of hurts 
this uh, this Falcons offense. And like you said, it meant they had to really focus on Calvin Ridley a lot. So getting Austin Hooper back is going to help big time. And, you know, there's just a, lo- a lot of weapons now. It's seemingly a much better offense, at least on paper, than what the Panthers saw a couple of weeks ago against the Falcons. We know that the Falcons weren't uh, weren't the smoothest on offense the last couple of weeks. They kind of got burned a little bit by uh, against the Buccaneers. And then, you know, last week they had to rally a little bit against the Saints. But, you know, this could be kind of one of those get right games, as it were, in, in terms of getting their offense back on track, getting some confidence again, because, you know, the it's just unfortunate to have watched the Panthers be kind of this bad on defense, really on both sides of the ball, especially against the run, but even against the pass, you know, they've been, they've been so susceptible at times to some really good playmakers and to kind of have the whole, the whole stable of for the Falcons back is, is really, really a tough task. I think, I think for the Panthers and, you know, obviously, it, it also comes back to just how bad they were whipped a couple of weeks ago. That's got to play on their mind as well. But you know, if Julio can play and if Austin Hoop and if Austin Hooper can play, then I think that really puts a lot of pressure on this Panthers defense because there's just a good number of playmakers between Julio, between Ridley, between Hooper. You know, because they they can even get beat up in the middle by some opposing tight end. So it wouldn't be surprising if Hooper comes back and he has himself a few catches and maybe finds the end zone. So this is a good opportunity, I think, for the Falcons to really kind of get themselves back on the right right path. And, you know, who knows, maybe inspire some confidence in Dan Quinn. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I still think he's going to be shown the door at the end of the season, but at least it'll help give them a better chance to kind of let him go out on top as a little bit of a winner. So it's it's a tough task, I think, for the Panthers, especially on the road. Um, you know, it's just looking bleak. And then, of course, you know, new coaching, essentially a new coaching staff. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, you, I mean, you've got someone that's never even had uh, coach, actual head coaching experience. I mean, he does, but he doesn't, if that makes sense, because he's been in interim before, but he was never actually a permanent head coach. So I think that's going to be an interesting factor as well here this one yeah yeah i'm i'm curious to sort of see what changes they you know institute because uh you know correct me if i'm wrong norb turner is he going to continue to call plays or is scott turner going to call plays now? the way it sounds you know they've the the actual positions that they're moving north turner is actually not going to be considered the special assistant to the head coach. I guess he'll kind of work really closely with Perry Fuel. Scott Turner is actually going to be the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see who's actually going to call the plays if they're going to let Scott kind of take the reins and kind of let Scott kind of start to build his portfolio for, you know, a potential permanent offensive coordinator position or maybe even an eventual head coaching position. At, at some point. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who, uh, especially being a, f- a family thing too with, uh, with Norman Scott. So that, that'll be interesting how they kind of divvy that up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think if, if, if I'm a Panthers fan, which I'm not, but 
if if I'm sort of sitting here, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to be a little bit optimistic in, in the Panthers' favor, I'm like, well, you know, without Ron Rivera there, maybe, you know, not to suggest that he was sort of limiting their offense, but certainly they're going to probably be a lot more, um, you know, open to doing different things and throwing some new wrinkles in there. And maybe, again, they can sort of catch the Falcons asleep a little bit because the Falcons are sort of prepared for the team this Panther team that has played, you know, the last 13 weeks. And then, you know, if they throw in some new wrinkles and say like, okay, we're, we're going to do this now, maybe Ron wouldn't have let us do this before, but since Ron's gone and Perry fuels, just like, you know, whatever, uh, maybe we can do some new wrinkles. And particularly if if Scott Turner is taking over the play calling, obviously he's not going to call it exactly the same way that Norv would have done it the previous, uh, you know, couple of months. So, you know, I think that's something that could be a, a certainly an interesting wrinkle and certainly I think potentially could play into the favor of the Panthers, particularly if they can come out early and, and sort of catch the Falcons off guard. And as I said earlier, you know, the Falcons are not a team that has been particularly good at sort of playing from behind, which they've had to do most weeks. And is one of the reasons why they have lost so many games this season. So I think that's something that could play in the favor of the, of the Panthers. And We'll just sort of have to see if the Falcons, you know, can handle that, if they can weather that storm, if that storm does wind up coming and seeing which team can get off to the, to, um, you know, the best start because, you know, this Panther team has a very specific style of of offense that they want to play. You know, they just basically want to feed Christian McCaffrey, you know, at least from my perspective. Uh, right. I'm sure, Bill, you might have a different viewpoint, but they just basically, you know, give 50, uh, 50 touches to Christian McCaffrey. That That's the perfect game plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based off of how he's performed against the Falcons, they really can't stop him. They didn't really stop him last time. It was just at a certain point in the game, like they had to start pushing the ball down the field. And, and that was leading to some of the turnovers that Kyle Allen had and rather than doing, you know, the simple thing that they do with uh, McCaffrey with, you know, the run in the pass. So, I think it's going to be interesting to sort of see what's different about this Panthers team, um, you know, this upcoming Sunday and whether that can play into their favor uh, in mm-hmm. this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, with uh, with the different roles now on, on this coaching staff, it's, it's going to be really intriguing. You know, I mean, you're right. This offense obviously focuses on Christian McCaffrey, you know, so it'll just be a matter of the Scots want to, continue to do that or how much more he feeds DJ Moore. Uh, does Ian Thomas get more looks with the new coaching staff? It, it's going to be intriguing, I think, to because uh, at this point, I think at this point, too, you're, you're starting to focus on 2020 because, like I said on my pod, the, the playoffs are basically out of reach. Technically, the Panthers are still alive, but let's be realistic here. They're five and seven, even – even after the loss, the Vikings are still in, well, the pretty good position compared to the Panthers, obviously. There's a three-game gap. The Rams are right there. But, um, of course, the Panthers have already lost to the Rams, so they lose that tiebreaker. Um, they're actually behind the Buccaneers in the playoff race in, in, the, in the division. I even said there's a possibility that the Falcons can catch the Panthers for last place so you're looking ahead to 2020 so i think you're starting to look at a lot of your young guys you're starting to look at um dennis daly if he's healthy i think you're going to want to see what he can do a little bit more Uh, obviously greg little you want a better look at him if he can get healthy because obviously he's had 
plenty of injury issues throughout the season. So I, I think this is more just about looking at what you have on the roster, top to bottom, and really just starting to set your set your offseason plan in motion for 2020. So watching this offense on Sunday and, and for the next four re- weeks, really, I think is going to be pretty fascinating. Yeah, I think the Falcons are in, this, in a similar boat. Um, obviously, they've been mm-hmm. in that boat for a little bit longer since, you know, you know, technically they just got eliminated from the playoffs, but we've known for a while that there was, you know, a zero yeah. percent chance of them making the playoffs. <laughs> And I'm looking at I'm looking at football outsiders right now, and they have the Panthers at a 0.0% chance of making the playoffs, but I know <laughs> they haven't been officially eliminated. So it, it's pretty much a short thing at this point in time. I mean, the old, uh, they, I mean, there's literally, I think, only one way the Panthers make the playoffs. They have to win out. The Vikings have to lose out. And the Rams have to lose a couple. They, yeah, they you, you got to have the Bears lose. You got to have the, the Bucs lose. Yeah, it's it's – yeah, they would need the Bears many, uh, to lose a couple, yeah. the Bucks to lose a couple. Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's be honest. It, it's it's fun to talk about. Obviously, it's fun to say, yeah, they're they're still mathematically eliminated, but realistically, yeah, you're. And I even said too, like getting to seven losses, e- even ten and six might not have done it. I mean, hell, you look at the NFC playoff picture already. You you already have what? Three teams already have ten wins. The Packers are at nine. The Vikings are at eight. You know, and then of course you have that other division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know five of the the NFC playoff teams. We're just really it's really that other division. We're just waiting to see who who, who decides to actually want to start playing. Yeah, who actually wants to win that, that division? division. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hell, but, it yeah, could even be the Redskins. <laughs> well, you know, based off of how they played last week, uh, you know, maybe maybe they got a shot. Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be interesting to sort of see sort of what these two teams with the Falcons and Panthers can sort of figure out between themselves over this next you know month of the season uh, as they wrap things up. And, and as you're right, they're they're both really playing 2020. Um, you know, obviously the Panthers know they ha- will not have a they will have a new head coach. Everybody suspects that the Falcons will have a, a, a new coach. It, it's similar to sort of. The uh, just the opposite of the Panthers playoff situation, where it's like, yeah, we, you know, technically they they might keep Dan Quinn, but we kind of all know that they're not going to keep Dan Quinn. Yeah. Um, so it's like technically, you know, the Panthers could still make the playoffs, but we we all know that it's not going to happen. So, um, you know, I think for both of these teams, it's really about trying to get some of these young guys and sort of evaluating for potentially the next coaching staff and sort of who can emerge and and potentially take that momentum into 2020 and, and potentially be assets for this team moving forward. No, for sure. I, I agree. Both, both these teams are in for a, uh, a very interesting uh, 2020 uh, off season to say the least, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, Bill, do you have a, you know, before we close out, do you have a sort of a, a prediction on this outcome uh, this weekend? Yeah, I think this is going to be another tough spot for the Panthers. You know, maybe they get fired up for a new coaching staff, but I said earlier in the week, this is a tough, this is another tough spot, you know, going on the road and 
you're coming off a loss to the Redskins, a loss that honestly should never have happened. I mean, you're up 14-0. You should have been cruising to a win, especially against an inferior Redskins team. But they go on and give up 29 unanswered points. So this team is absolutely reeling. They're not really good at a lot of positions. And they're going on the road. I, I think the Falcons win this one. I don't think it's going to be a 26-point blowout. It might be a little bit closer, but I still think the Falcons win this one. I'm going to say 28-17, Falcons get the win. Okay. Um, I You know, I'm not confident in the Falcons at all because I just – I think – Really, when we look back at the season, they played well in like three games, and the Panthers, the previous Panthers matchup was one of those. And then the rest of the season, they have been this sort of really struggling football team. Um, and you just sort of weigh the odds. You know, you have three times as many bad games as you have good games. So it's one of those things where it feels like there's three times as likely a chance that the bad Falcons show up than the good Falcons show up. Um, <laughs> but I am going to essentially tepidly pick the Falcons to win this game. I do think it will be a much, much closer game. I do think having some of those weapons back should help benefit the Falcons um, if they do sort of fall behind against this Panthers team and maybe have a chance to come back and and sort of steal a win um, from Perry Fuel. Um, So I'm going to go with a sort of 24 to 21 Falcons win this week. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, um, Bill, I'm sure you'll be continually to talk about Ron Rivera, Lincoln Riley, Greg Roman, whoever <laughs> else is the hot names uh, coming up on, on sort of Locked On Panthers uh, this upcoming week. And, and yeah. you know, I'm sure I will at some point, uh, either this month or next month, start having those types of conversations on Locked On Falcons. I, I certainly appreciate doing this uh, for the second time this year. And I hope we get an opportunity in the off season once, you know, both teams, you know, once the dust has settled, both teams have new coaches, have made some, you know, moves and and free agency in the draft. We can sort of look ahead to sort of the new era of both uh, the Falcons and Panthers on a, a sort of a future crossover. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely, man. Always fun to, to chat with you here and yeah definitely we'll we'll get together on the off season for sure absolutely so you guys know where to hit up bill uh on the locked on panthers podcast you can check him out on twitter at bill underscore Rossetti. that's r-i-c-c-e-t-t-e and of course i'm at falc fans on twitter f-a-l-c-f-a-n-s and of course you can check me out daily on the locked on falcons podcast there you guys have it for another crossover wednesday I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Okay. Awesome. All right. All right, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for uh, being flexible with the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. The night before and, and trying to scramble and get it up as soon as possible on Wednesdays. But I, I know, you know, scheduling conflicts can, can be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know I had a, a, a pretty tight window in which I could do it today. So I appreciate you being uh, flexible with that.
Oh, absolutely. Glad we were able to get this in. Like I said, always fun to to chat with you, man. So we'll we'll definitely get together in the off season. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. Have a good night, my friend. All right, buddy. You too.